0: And welcome to another episode of Recovery Talks Podcast. I'm Andy Daniel, Social Media Coordinator for MPN, and I'm here with Thomas Risberg. He is a garden variety alcoholic uh, and the Sober Life Project Director with the Alliance for Youth, and he's here to talk about living it up in recovery. Welcome, Thomas.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Andy. Very excited to be on the show.
0: Well, tell me a little bit about yourself.
1: So I'm originally from uh, St. Louis, Missouri, and growing up, you know, I, I lived in uh, suburban St. Louis, and I guess some things of note that, that kind of formed who I am today, I, I had a brother that uh, suffered from severe mental illness, and I, I spent a lot of time alone. I still have developed a kind of, you just want everyone to get along. And uh, so, you know, that goes with the classic boundary issues and... That's that's something that I, I still, you know, we're all a work in progress and something I work on. But I ended up going to school for uh, international studies, which I believe, you know, it's University of Missouri. I call it poli-sci with a language requirement. And, you know, I, I kind of had, like a lot of us, right? You're an idealist and, and you want to give back. So, I ended up doing Teach for America in Memphis, Tennessee. I taught fifth grade down there for two years. One of the best experiences of my life. Highly recommend it to anyone that's, you know, kind of thinking of what they want to do. And after that, I ended up going to law school at, at George Washington. Had a lot of great experiences there. I consider that one of the best times of my life. I ran a program called Street Law, and we taught basic constitutional criminal law to seventh and eighth graders. I had the opportunity to work at a a place called Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington on transparency, primarily in the political process, and uh, had a stint at the Department of Justice, Organized Crime and Racketeering. And so I kind of set out from there, and I'll say that in the background of this, I was always a binge drinker, and it was always my coping skill, is that I never quite felt like I fit in. And when I drank, that all went away and I felt that I, everything was right with the world. And I mean, you, you know where this story is going, right? But uh, so, so I get out of law school and I, I go and I clerk on the Missouri Supreme Court and I, I feel like that's when things shift. We all kind of have our story and, and, you know, pivot points, but it was there that if I was drinking and I was in control, I wasn't having a good time. And if I was having a good time, I wasn't in control. And so things, this is in 2012, and just I, I've been sober since August 22nd, 2017, so just got uh, four years recently. But um, after that point, uh, you know, you have that, all of us have that desire to succeed and, and you try to work through it, but the, the cognitive dissonance, right, the gap between my values and, and who I wanted to be and, and how I wanted to be in the world. And, and what I actually was really started to widen. Um, I, I went from there. I, I worked at a law firm in St. Louis. I did antitrust work. I went out to Washington, D.C. again and worked at a policy shop called Convergent Center for Policy Resolution. So we tried to bring together kind of all the interested parties on various issues. I worked on long-term care financing reform and economic mobility and poverty. And cycling in the background here, right, the drinking is really adding up. And I'm having a harder time keeping up the facade. And so the dam really started to break in, in early 2016. And I, I moved back home to St. Louis. And I kind of, uh, I would say, stumbled along the bottom, but it, it, it kept getting worse. I say that I, uh, you know, I, I didn't just burn my life to the ground, I then dug a pit and continued to pour napalm in it. And so that la- next year, I call kind of the dark times. And um, I ended up going, I think I did five hospital detoxes. I was in uh, three inpatient treatment centers. And I had totally lost connection with anything with myself, right? And, and my community, my family, everyone. Um, I, I said, I got the God bless you don't come around. And so I think we, we know that one too. So my, my brother died. And again, I had said he struggled with mental illness and also was a longtime heroin addict. And he died in um, January of 2015. And so in retrospect, that was a real seminal point for me. And the and, uh, folks were really fed up with me. I, I tell people getting into early recovery, ask yourself if you had enough pain. And the pain was really really intense. And I was alone all the time. Um, And that was not a good place for me to be as up in my head. So I I ended up coming out here in 2017 to Great Falls, uh, where I've lived now for a little more than four years. And I uh, went to Rocky Mountain Treatment Center. And really, my life fundamentally, you know, shifted starting then came out of there. I, I worked at Rocky mountain for two years, initially as a treatment assistant, helping with the clients. And I loved that. And then I, I did some outreach and marketing. And then we kind of jumped to the present, which is, uh, got together with some wonderful folks at, uh, Alliance for youth, where I'm now employed and have been for about two years. But our, the executive director here is Christy Ponte's troop, just an incredible woman. And she, had an idea of, you know, I want to know what the barriers are. Why, why are our relapse rates so high? So we did the simple thing, formed informal focus groups, looking at people that are in early recovery, which we defined as the first two years and asking them just very simply, what, what are your barriers? Right. And you said, I don't have questions. And uh, I, I don't think any of us are surprised about the answers, but uh, it's certainly, you know, when you get it from the horse's mouth and you get it consistently um, it's loneliness, it's uh, depression, it's a, a sense of disconnectedness and isolation and boredom. And so like anything you you find a problem and there's you try to come up with a solution and from that was born the sober life and And we got started in November of 2018. It's as grassroots as it comes. It was a group of us folks in recovery and some people in the kind of recovery community and providers here in great falls that came together and that started this, this path that's led uh, to, to today. So
0: great. So tell me a little bit about what sober life is
1: in a nutshell, we provide, uh, what I would say are four pillars. One is we offer fitness activities. So if you know, once you give all this synthetic dopamine and it doesn't matter what it is, you know, meth, alcohol, they all affect our, our brain receptors in a very similar way. You literally can't feel pleasure, right? I think the term for it is anhedonia, And so fitness and stimulates our, our dopamine production. And so we offer fitness activities, and those are on a weekly basis, everything from basketball, volleyball, yoga, water, aerobics, flag football is going right now. Um, so we do a bunch of those. And then the second kind of bucket is we offer these family-friendly events. And that consists of a huge variety. So we're coming up in the fall, right? So we'll do pumpkin carving and have a big uh, – you know, Halloween bash, I think we're calling it the spookaroo this year. And we'll do things around Christmas time, right? We'll make Christmas cookies. But uh, certainly we've done ski trip, we just did a rafting trip here 10 days ago. And um, hockey games, bowling trivia, the escape rooms, you name it. We, we like to have fun, absolutely live it up in recovery. And so that's the, the second thing. And then the third one, is, you know, paying it forward, big part. Uh, if you want to get outside of yourself, go help others. And so we do all kinds of volunteering in the community. And that can be everything from cooking a meal at, at a rescue mission, right? Gray um, Falls Rescue Mission has been an incredible partner since day one for us. We could, one of my favorites is we call it sending love to seniors. And we make uh, this last year, we made 250 Valentine's Day cards and, and give them to seniors in nursing homes, which is Particularly in in this time of COVID, right? You know, we're isolated, boy. I mean, a lot of these folks, right, literally haven't left the building in, in, you know, a year and a half or more now. And so, um, clean up parks, uh, do a lot. Uh, We've done things like chalk the walk, which is you go around and you do inspirational um, kind of sayings and whatnot. We've painted crosswalks, but a whole variety of things. And then the fourth one, that really kicked off in uh, fall of, of last year of 2020 is Native American culturally relevant activities, and so that consists of of Red Ro- Red Road to Wellbriety. and you know that's twelve step based, also incorporates the medicine wheel. Big believer that you know having these kind of affinities and and really developing bonds is is really the key, and so nothing better than uh, exploring your cultures and, and tradition and heritage to give you that sense of belonging that that's going to give you the support that we all need in life, but especially for us to, to succeed in recovery. And we also do drumming and singing. We do uh, beating, we have a Native American art class that we do. And so those are kind of the big four. And then I like to talk about the, the how, I think, is just as important as the what. So that's the what we do. The how is that, so it's all by people in recovery, for people in recovery, meaning that everything from the big strategic level decisions to, you know, what activities we're going to do, how we're going to do them, those are all formulated by people in recovery. Everything is, um, you know, organized, coordinated, the whole kit caboodle. By people in recovery, and it, that sense of ownership that we have—that you know, this is a recovery community that is, you know, self-sustaining and self-governed—and I think that's really important. And the other thing is, everything is free, 100% free to participants. So we also try to provide things like transportation and childcare to eliminate barriers. Uh, we know it, it's hard, right? And especially in early recovery. Uh, resources are major barriers so we try to do everything we can to uh, eliminate barriers and make sure that everyone that that wants to participate can and then the third thing we do is family friendly and so a huge believer that addiction is a family disease we we get sick as a family and we need to heal together and so uh, almost all of our events are geared so it has uh, built to have kids be able to participate with their families and then again we also offer child care so if there's something like trivia is hard for like a seven-year-old to participate <laughs> in uh, maybe you get some funny answers I guess but uh, uh, so we, we provide child care uh, and then certainly if there's a group or something that is, is not appropriate for, for younger folks we, we try to have childcare around for them and that's really in a nutshell you know, what we do, how we do it. And the, the why is very simple. It's, we wanna give people connection. Uh, that is the number one thing that I have found that was always lacking in my life period, right? Before my struggles with alcohol ever got, you know, to a point where I couldn't ignore it, right? Um, but so connection and purpose is to give folks meaning. I think a word I I use a lot that I think captures it is is dignity, right? Is a a sense that uh, we're part of something bigger than ourselves, that we are going through life with a a group of like-minded people and that we share common uh, values and common experiences and common aspirations and that we can uh, achieve those together and and then similarly and related is is this sense of individual agency so i think many of us have had so many times in our lives where we're powerless and we've been acted upon you know whether that's child abuse you've gone through uh, traumatic experiences um, you know sexual abuse of all varieties interactions with the criminal justice system Um, a lot of times we we're acted upon right and that can, uh, you know, I think the term you'd hear, right, is learned helplessness and and that you uh, believe that you cannot be a change agent for yourself. And and that's simply false. And so we want to show in, in small ways to start, right, that the connection between your actions and positive outcomes. So whether that's, you know, initially, okay, you're going to greet people at an event, right? And you can see their you know, they're happier, they feel included because you were there. And that gives you that sense, oh, okay, so I did this. And now other people are benefiting, and I feel better too. And then, you know, next, you can maybe help plan an event, right? You can then, you know, move on and you start, okay, I'm going to be in charge of this. And you see that, that clear connection between your actions and positive outcomes for yourself, your family, and and your community, and that really is empowering, right? I mean, it, it makes you feel a part of, um, and I think for a lot of us, we've always felt apart from. Um, so, hopefully, that's a somewhat of an explanation of the the what, the the how, and and the why of the sober life.
0: Yeah. So you you kind of touched on this, but can you tell me a little bit more about what makes the sober life? unique and you know different from other recovery organizations
1: so I think and especially in Montana one there's just a dearth of what would I would call the recovery community uh, as such right that you have a lot of individual services what really makes us unique is there's no endpoint for one thing I think is huge so in general I think our our system for addressing addiction is, is really kind of misguided that it's a chronic disease, right? That is susceptible to relapse. Well, understanding that you want to focus on long-term durable solutions. If you look at where we as a society spend our resources around addiction, it's primarily on acute interventions, that it's ER, right? It's in the emergency mm-hmm. room, the detoxes. We're spending it on inpatient treatment. I'm not mm-hmm. saying there's anything, you know, that's all necessary and it's part of the system. But if you look at where the funding goes, right? Or you even a intensive outpatient, right? Maybe that's nine months long. That the the key flaw in all of those is that we're treating a chronic disease like it has an endpoint. And so you see these cliffs where people fall off, right? And you see this cycle repeat itself, right? I mean, it's really heartbreaking because you'll see folks that are doing really well in a program. Program ends, I think they they feel you know kind of uh, lost, right? Mm-hmm. And and you're gonna go back to you know what feel is is kind of your natural coping skill, which is drugs and alcohol. And I always say it's a very hard staying sober is hard because drugs and alcohol work hundred percent of the time. Right. That if you want that quick fix and you want to, you know, not feel they work. Now we all know that they uh, also, you know, lead to incredible amounts of pain and, and ultimately if not kept in abeyance can in most cases do lead to death. So it's that tough time of how do I get folks to always have place where they can feel safe, they're not going to be judged, and they can build that connection, purpose, and of individual agency. And that's what we have. We say we, we want folks that are 24 hours sober, mixing with people that are 20 years sober. And it creates that virtuous cycle where the folks that initially come in, right, and they're, you know, receiving that support they need, then they become the supporters. And so it, it's self-replicating, and it also allows the, the model is very adaptable so that if you're in a small community, right, it's probably not going to be feasible for you to be having, you know, five fitness activities a week and be doing a family-friendly mm-hmm. event, you know, every other weekend. And so you just take those core principles, right, is, okay, let's try to do something fitness-oriented, right? And maybe that's that we get together and, and play basketball once a month, right? And we do one sport, we do it less, right? Maybe we do a volunteer activity you know, once every quarter and we do a family friendly event once a month. And what those are can be adapted to the group, right? If you're in an area and you've got a crew that loves fishing, right? It can be all about fishing. You go to a different place and people wanna be doing cooking, that it, it really is, meant to be developed into the unique communities that we have, uh, around Montana. Right. And and in theory, you know, it's something that I do think is a, is a strong model, um, seen in the larger context, but I, I think that element of it's adaptable, that it's something for everyone, right. You have a lot of programs that focus on one thing, right. So, let's say it's all about fitness. Well, shoot, I mean, especially in a low population density state like Montana, if you've got, you know, a relatively small group of people that are in recovery and then you take some segment of that and that's really who your programming is geared towards, you're going to lose, you know, 80% of your people because they're just not into that. Um, So it does have that something for everyone. And then what I love about it is it can be done very low overhead and i this is something i want to delve deeper into is that i i really want folks that are listening regardless of the community that you're in to understand the simplicity of it and how what you really need is just a small group of people that have energy and you need some access to basic resources. So with the sober life, you know, we didn't have a paid employee for the first 18 months. Right. And for the year after that, it was a, you know, a halftime person. There's a lot you can do. I have found and this, I don't think is unique to gray falls, although gray falls has been absolutely <laughs> incredible. People want to help and it is, you've got to ask, I, I mean, you know, okay, we need a gym right? This solid rock Bible church, they stepped up, they gave us the free use of their gym, right? It's now, you know, four nights a week. Um, But you got to ask, right? And you got to have that kind of entrepreneurial spirit. And I I highly encourage folks that are listening to not get uh, caught up in overcomplicating what a recovery community can look like. That it literally is, if you keep in mind some of these basic principles that I think are really helpful about fostering, uh, you know, connection, purpose, individual agency, and using fitness, uh, family-friendly events, and and volunteering, and and in Native American culturally relevant events, you've you've got something there. So I really hope that people can grab this and say, you know what, I'm going to start this here in my community. And, and I, I, I encourage them to not overthink it. And just kind of you start and it's an iterative process. And, and it's okay to fail. I can tell you, I played basketball by myself <laughs> quite a few weeks early on. It's not so bad. You just go there and you know, I pr- practice my skyhook. <laughs>
0: So you talked a little bit about how the sober life is a continuous thing as opposed to those programs that have an end point. Can you talk a little bit more about how the sober life fits into the like broader recovery ecosystem?
1: Absolutely. So the way that I see the recovery ecosystem in terms of major players, right? You have your medical side, right? And that is integral, right? Those are the folks that when you're in desperation, you have the ER, right? You can use that. You then have all the panoply of providers, right? So that's your inpatient treatment, your IOP, that's your medication-assisted treatment. Again, that's integral. You have law enforcement, right? Integral part of it. That's a lot of folks right there realizing they've had enough pain in a prison cell, right? What I think where we fit and sit in a unique place from all of those is that we have credibility, right? We are not a treatment program. We're not a 12-step program. We're not trying to be that. Can't. It, It doesn't work. What we provide is that community. So all of these programs are incredibly valuable. A lot of these are about you know, I come here and I get help with this issue. Well, what about the other, you know, six days a week, right? Or, or at least the other, you know, 23 hours in the day, right? What, what are those about? And we fit squarely in a in a unique and emerging area that's known kind of in the clinical sense as it's recovery support services is the term that you're going to hear a lot. And where we fit is that we are partnering with all of these. So we partner a ton and love, you know, whether it's benefits, uh, the big medical providers here, Alluvian, right? The treatment providers, you know, you have Gateway, you with Green Apple Counseling, you've got folks in, in law enforcement, right? Whether that's probation and parole, or you have the pre-release veterans and adult treatment court have been. Absolutely incredible partners. Um, so we interact, but we sit in a unique place where we are 100% about the person in recovery. We have a, a unique credibility in that all of us are in recovery. And I, I think what is needed and what there's a dearth of in Montana and nationally is a place, a place where people can consistently go in recovery to have fun. That's it. It's not, you know, I, I always say there's so much of this, you get, okay, you got to do this and you got to do that. And it's kind of like, well, where's the life, right? Where's, where can I just go be me and interact with people? And there's not necessarily some goal, right? It's just having fun, and, and that's where we fit, and I think that it is additive to all those things that are going on. I think it helps all of the, the medical, the, the addiction treatment, the, the law enforcement kind of court system writ large, and, and I think it's a missing piece, and I do think that if we invest in this as a, as a community here in Gray Falls, as a state. I think we're going to see real positive benefits. I think something that if people are honest, they need to acknowledge is that the current system is not producing outcomes that I think any of us would say are um, adequate or, or positive. And uh, there's some elements that I think in all honesty, where we're working against ourselves and, uh, you know, almost it's the, what is it? The Hippocratic you know, the first things do no harm. So I, I really, it's my hope that Sober Life and Sober Life organizations can sit at this unique point of wanting to and valuing our partnerships with everyone in that ecosystem, but developing a, it's almost like connected, but we stand apart. That we are about the person in recovery and we're all in recovery and we're about us as a, as a group having a space that's special where we're safe, where we know we're not going to get judged and we know everyone's sober, which, you know, can be a, a, a challenge in uh, many contexts.
0: You talked a little bit about that you, you didn't, well, the sober life didn't have a paid position for a certain amount of time and then half time and, and you're growing. What what are your funding sources? I mean, not specifically necessarily, but, but how do you do those things? Do you ask for donations? Do people have to pay for something if they come to it? You know, what, what is your funding mechanism?
1: Absolutely. So it has evolved tremendously. I would say our angel investor uh, from day one, right? So Alliance for Youth really took, you know, they, they just funded it out of their general funds, right? and then United Way of Cascade County came in. And that was in June of 2019. So not too long after we were started, that really was the catalyst that allowed us to, you know, if you go there and uh, are able to say, Hey, we're doing this, you know, program, can we get a, a a discount, right? Can we do an in-kind you know, stuff like that. You can make $20,000 go a long way, and uh, especially if you have no paid employees. Now, things that have, and I I do think that this is helpful for other people that are thinking about um, starting something similar, is we did make a very deliberate effort early on to gather together the, um, what I would say are people with touches is the best way for me to, to think of it that touch a lot of folks that are struggling with addiction and alcoholism. And so that can be, um, your treatment providers, you can be law enforcement, uh, the faith community, right? Anybody that is working with people, um, that struggle with addiction and alcoholism. We were very deliberate about that. We have now what's called our leadership council, and that has representatives from, uh, a lot of the major, providers, right? So, I mean, I've, I've listed them already, but just to give a flavor, you know, it's, it's your benefits, it's your alluvian, which is a big, um, you know, community-based health center here that does a ton. Um, It's the Great Falls Rescue Mission, it's, it's Rocky Mountain Treatment Center, Gateway, um, the Vet Treatment Court, the Adult Treatment Court, Juvenile Probation and Parole. So, a lot of the major folks that, that see these people, and that work with them on a day-to-day basis are, are in the loop. And it has been unbelievably helpful in everything that we've done and around outreach, right. About getting people excited. You know, those are folks where they become a cheerleader for you. And when you've got a handful of people, it's a lot easier to say, you know, Hey, here's the information can you know, you go out and kind of promote it through your networks and then send folks to us. And here's how we can work with you. So I do think that that is incredibly important is, is focusing on really developing relationships. So where our funding now has evolved is we now, uh, one, we started to, to do a couple contracts and that's a minor part of our our funding overall funding picture, but you know that's with the, the treatment courts and whatnot and you i think that's for some groups could be a bigger part of what they want to do right if you have some a group that says we really want to focus on the criminal justice system and pokes that are coming out right i think that's a, a, a great path to go down um, like any organization i think diverse funding sources is really important we have raised uh, not insignificant amounts of money from uh, private sources right and from the business community I think for people that are starting these sponsorships is the way to go with that. That's what I recommend. If you just ask for X amount of money, it's hard. Uh, If you say, Hey, we want to do a, um, you know, bowling event, would you be willing to sponsor that and better yet do something that's kind of in their line of business, right? That if you go to an outdoor store and you want to do a rafting trip, that's kind of right. You know, that's natural for them, and they're used to it, um, being asked for that kind of stuff. And then, you know, clearly another source is, is government grants. And so that's really what's changed uh, in May of this year. At the end of May, um, we were awarded a, a Building Communities of Recovery grant from SAMSHA, And it, it's a game changer for us in terms of stability, right? It's a, a three-year grant. And in terms of what we're able to do on the one-on-one side. So I, I talked about, you know, the four buckets, right? The, the fitness, the family-friendly events, the volunteering, and the Native American culturally relative events. Well, what this has allowed us to do that is, you know, uh, exactly up your guy's alley is some, some peer recovery coaching and care coordination and one-on-one. So that's the one thing that we had seen repeatedly, right? If you've got just a a handful of people and volunteers, it's really hard for you to say, hey, okay, like you've got a transportation issue. Here's where I can get you some help. You need employment. Here's where I can get you help. Is that that really intense one-on-one was missing. And we would see people that, you know, where's such and such. And and we tried to develop, and I think we're we're successful to some extent with this, is having, you know, uh, kind of a peer like, okay, you go talk to them, right? A a member that's been in for a while, hey, reach out to such and such, but it was ad hoc. I mean, there's no other way to put it. And, and now we're able to more, um, in a systematic way. And especially with our partners say, Hey, when you've got someone that really just needs that extra, that contact, that supporter, that person in their, uh, corner, you know, send them to us. And so, that's where we stand. I think, and this is something I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but for other organizations to think about peer support and, you know, we know it's now a billable service thanks to MPN and the, the hard work that you guys have done. <laughs> I mean, literally creating a profession, creating, you know, the training, the code of ethics, and then, and then going and getting it, it funded renewably. Right. Well, so when you offer peer support, Um, That is a revenue source, right? And it's a stable revenue source. And when you do that, there can be what I would say is some excess revenue, right? From what you're bringing in from Medicaid that can, in theory, be used to supplement free family events that can be used to supplement fitness activities and can cover costs. I think that's an incredibly intriguing model. Um, we're certainly uh, looking at it very closely, wanting to move in that direction. Um, you know, I don't want to kind of count, count our eggs before they've hatched, but I, I will say that I think to to listeners out there, really be aware of that. And, and of course, you know, you have the best resource at NPN when, uh, you know, you want to take those steps. And so, um, I think that's evolving, but is a really durable, sustainable model, um, that can cover a lot of, I guess I'll use the term sober life, like activities, recovery support services.
0: Great. So you're located in Great Falls. Um, but you have, uh, the sober life happening in Shelby. Is that right?
1: Yes. So we started the sober life on the high line, uh, that is based out of Shelby back in September of last year. And it's a, a very similar model. And I think it does show like, I think last month, you know, they went on a camping trip, which, you know, we've never done here. It, it shows you that I think that's when you're in a smaller community, right? The logistics are less, you know, maybe you have 20, 25 folks going on a camping trip. That's easier logistically than trying to get a hundred, <laughs> right? Or 150 something. Um, but it's been wonderful. We have a gal named Mary Miller um, up there. They work at, uh, very closely with uh, the drug treatment court there and, and providers, but it's been very heartwarming to see. It's that first time where you get to see the model, right? And applied in a different situation in a smaller community, and it's it's been really wonderful. Like seeing a lot of folks that, you know, are fundamentally changing their life, and and you're able to see that. I mean, Mary's a very special woman, mm-hmm. and I think that she has a lot to do with the success. But I think that there are very special people that we can identify uh, throughout the state that can take this on, and that it does have legs right that it's not something that is only applicable in one situation so we also are looking and and it's imminent um but expanding that out along the high line to haver and so we're going to be looking to have a a peer recovery coach in in haver and to be starting the similar you know the fitness family friendly events volunteering uh there and so um that I'm hoping is gonna be in 2021, potentially early 2022, but certainly I love working and stimulating organically um, things happening in our backyard and then you know potentially throughout the state.
0: So what can other people do if they want to bring something like this into their communities?
1: So first thing, and I, I know I said that before, but I want to reiterate it. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't think that you need to have, you know, 10 different activities and events volunteering all at once. You just want to start building up folks that love recovery that want to have community together and you get them together. What I would say once you have a couple folks, right, and I mean, this can be half a dozen people, you want to map out in your community who are the folks that have touches with people that struggle with addiction and alcoholism, and you want to contact them, and you want to you know, have a clear idea of what you want to do. It can vary drastically depending on your community and, and kind of what the group feels. Well, you want to reach out to those folks and you want to tell them what you're thinking. Right. And, you know, love to have you, you can talk about the, the sober life. I'm more than happy to send you all kinds of materials we have on the theory of change and, and what we do and how we do it, but you get them involved and, and you kind of make a clear pitch to them about how this solves problems that they've been seeing for years and how you can be a solution for them. And when you have their backing, then you start dipping your toes in, right? And you just start doing something, right? You hold an event, you know, you got to have a name, right? I always say you got to come up with a, something that people can identify it with. I think a Facebook page is essential. Um, you do want to as quickly as possible, whether so like Remind 101 is a text messaging program, right? That's free, right? You can send that out to hundreds of people. Um you can do uh, I know this is paid, but it's it's relatively cheap. It's constant contact. Get your email list served, so get all your outreach built up. And then I, and I do think you, you want to be doing these kind of at the same time, be identifying your potential funders, right? And again, I, I would recommend you keep it diverse, right? Look at the um, you know, government grants, look at foundations. I can tell you government grants are gonna be a hard slog to be your starter, right? That's something you want to look at down the road. Initially, um, really community-based f- foundations and groups that focus intensely on your local area, they're going to be much more open to kind of being that angel investor, to be the first one to kind of take a risk and, and to go out there and, and, and help seed fund things. And then I, again, like I do think, you know, if you're a group of peer supporters that are listening to this, uh you can think about ways that you could work with a provider, right, that, that offers clinical supervision, that offers Medicaid billing, and where you could have you guys as an independent organization get together with them and, you know, work out a way where you can share that revenue that's coming in and use that to, to fund your activities and, and family-friendly events and whatnot.
0: Great. So this September is recovery month. So a lot of organizations have events and things that are going on. Right. And the sober life has some events. Can you tell us a little bit about what's going on this month?
1: Absolutely. So the big one is the sober life recovery run. And it's coming right up. It's September 17th, uh, right here in great falls at West bank park. All the information is on our Facebook page, and you can register on Eventbrite, but it's going to be an incredible time. Uh, It starts at 4.30. We've got a a 10K, a 5K, and a 3K. Those leave, you know, the 10K starting first at 5 o'clock, and then the 5K at 5.15, the 3K at 5.30. We're going to have music, speakers, uh, games for if you just want to come and hang out. I will say the forecast is just out. And it's supposed to be 72 and sunny. So it should be uh, a wonderful time. And again, you can um, find out all the information on Facebook, register on Eventbrite. And, you know, love to have people come from all over the state. Uh, you know, where we say we're, we're running for, you know, to celebrate a recovery, to celebrate, you know, the lives that we have this opportunity to live, to support those that are still struggling and to honor those that we've lost. So wherever you fit in, those are all three, you know, come on, come on out. And then I'm very excited about a whole series of events of which the sober life recovery run is, is part of It's actually kind of opening up this week that's called stop the stigma. And I think we all have been there and know what it feels like where you, you know, you say I'm in recovery and it's like, there's that silence, right? Kind of everything. Changes and, and a lot of that is folks simply don't understand uh, recovery. They don't understand addiction. They don't understand mental illness, right? And ignorance breeds contempt. So what we do with this week is provide resources, but also paint a different picture. And I think a far more accurate picture. So something I always tell is that people say, or think that people in, in with struggling with addiction and mental illness are a burden to be managed i fundamentally disagree with that i think that's just objectively inaccurate i, I view us as underinvested in assets and i can tell you when you uh, invest in folks in recovery you will see wonderful things happening and they are right that we are not uh, a burden right that we are compassionate caring people that give back to our community and are positive uh, have a positive effect on the community so that week, you got the recovery run, and then on Monday, the 21st, Tales to Sobriety, which is going to be at uh, Heritage Hall at Great Falls College. They've been an incredible partner. I also have to give a shout-out to uh, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, Alluvian Health, Benef- Benef- Benefits Health System, and, of course, the Alliance for Youth, um, for being the sponsors behind this all. But that Tales to Sobriety night is open mic, there's going to be eight folks sharing their stories. I mean, it's, it's going to be intense. Like, I don't want to, uh, you know, kind of hide the ball on that. There will be some very difficult issues discussed, right. From uh, you know, child abuse and, and suicide and then and rape, but uh, it, it's also going to be talking about the beautiful things that when you process that and come through it, that, that we see in all of these people. And I, I really, I know all of these folks personally, they have incredible stories, uh, you know, the experience strength and hope. And so that uh, is going to be also on Zoom. So I do want people to know that are not in Great Falls, the recovery run, of course, you know, can't do a virtual reality uh, run, that'd be fun to try, but uh, <laughs> not this year, but that they will be available on Zoom. And so people can go to the Stop the Stigma Facebook page. It's at the... St- at Stop the Stigma 406. There also is the website, which is the same place where you find information about the Sober Life writ large, which is just uh, allianceforyouth.org. So for the Sober Life, it's slash the Sober Life for Stop the Stigma for a schedule of all the events and to sign up, it's just slash Stop the Stigma. So pretty simple to find online. And again, that they're on Zoom. So by all means, sign up, register, and you can see them all uh, virtually. So on Wednesday, then, uh, September 22nd, we have Unpacking the Social Dilemma. Fascinating. If, if you've not seen this, I highly recommend it. It's about uh, primarily Facebook, but all social media and the algorithms that they use to uh, manipulate, you know, what you see, what you believe. And it, it makes it clear that you don't have a feed, right? You don't actually have a Facebook feed. You have a very powerful algorithm that is playing off of your brain chemistry that is designed to keep you engaged so that you keep seeing the ads. And that's the model. So I always say, if, if you're getting something for free, right, you're the product, right? And you are. That's that's. Why these guys are billionaires is they've tapped into that. Uh, So there will also be a great panel afterwards, and that will be at Heritage Hall. But again, also on Zoom, 630 to 830 will be the panel. The movie will start at 430 p.m. Again, that's Wednesday, September 22nd. Then on Thursday, two great events. There's Resilient Compassion, a workshop for educators. So that's open to everyone, but it is geared towards, you know, folks that are teachers and professors and such. And that will, again, be at Heritage Hall, but on Zoom. And we will have Dr. Jordan Quaglia and Charlotte Rotterdam um, coming here. And they are uh, you know, nationally renowned in this field on you know, focusing on self-compassion, on, on how kind of that concept of you know, caretakers aren't normally good at caring for themselves, and some really clear tools for how to do that, and then also how to incorporate it into your role as an educator. Uh, similarly, that night, this one is focused on, on all of us, right, is uh, called Loneliness and Compassionate Resilience and Tools for Self-Compassion. So we all know there's a lot of this stuff out there, right? What I do think is highly valuable and, and somewhat unique about this, they're going to present you with the, the scientific research, the findings, right, on this. But then they're going to give you some real simple tools, right? So, you know, you identify the problem and then you're like, well, what do I do now? And so they'll give you that solution. They'll give you the tools. So um, again, that's Thursday, September 23rd, the workshop for educators, 1215 to 215. And then the kind of for the broader public, loneliness and compassion and resilience and tools for self-compassion at night, six to 8 p.m., both at Heritage Hall, Great Falls College, but also on Zoom. Friday, we have... Positive psychology, learn it, practice it, do it, and uh, so I personally know the the two uh, incredible women that will be doing that. It's Stephanie Bercuza, she's a psychologist at Benefis, and then Tiff Sweeney, who works at the in the White Sulphur Springs School District, but uh, is just kind of like a you know extraordinaire. Does a ton of things around the community, including one thing we'll talk about here, the Central Montana Out of the Darkness Walk. Boy, if you the basic principles of positive psychology are so simple yet profound. And I mean, as easy as you never want to get into the always never, right? Never have this mindset. I'm using never too much in this I'm struggling with that. But when you think that a situation will never end, it is easy to catastrophize it. So, you you know, it's simple things like that. They're much more, uh, eloquent in in discussing that and giving you solutions, but it's something you don't want to miss. I will say that one has CEU credit available. Then that is for for mental health professionals. Now that is the only one that is only in person in Great Falls. So that's the one uh, along with the recovery run that is just in person and it will be at Alliance for Youth. But if you're in the area or you could travel, you know, from Helena, we're drivers, we're Montanans, have her, and, and then we, we wrap up the week uh, with the central Montana out of the darkness walk. This is really powerful. It's a suicide prevention walk and the stories that you will hear from folks and just the feeling that you get everyone, they, they give out beads that, you know, if you have lost a, a family member, right. Or you've lost a friend and you see folks with all their beads on, right. And you, you recognize the impact that has, and it's a a way to honor them, right? And to remember. And then also to send the the message to folks that there, there always is hope. I love the out of the darkness because there's, you talk about something that we don't want to talk about, it is suicide. And and that's really what keeps us sick, right? And it's what keeps the the rates so incredibly high. I think most folks probably know uh, Montana has the highest per capita suicide rate in the country. Um, it's been that often over the preceding decades, you know, we're always kind of in that top five, but look, we're, this is cowboy territory, right? And it's first rule of that is don't cry. Don't express any emotion. It's literally killing us. So, um, I highly encourage people to come out to that. That's Paris Gibson park Sunday, September 26 kicks off at noon. And uh, again, it's on, you know, it's a Sunday, so you can travel, you know, it's a beautiful ride from Helena up in the canyon and from all over, right? We're blessed with a very uh, naturally gorgeous state. But so that's the Stop the Stigma Week, and that's our, our September lineup.
0: Great. So you haven't mentioned some of the stuff already, but how can people find The Sober Life?
1: Absolutely. So the best place is to go to our Facebook page, which is The Sober Life 406, right? that has all the information we're on there posting multiple times a day. And I highly encourage people to also join our the Sober Life Wellness. And that has people that are just encouraging each other to work out. So right now we've got a hundred mile challenge going on for people getting ready for the recovery run. So you see people posting, okay, I got 36 miles left, right? I've got, you know, I'm 57 down and uh, it's a beautiful thing. So the, our general Facebook page and then also the wellness group And then you can find us on the Alliance for Youth website. And again, that's allianceforyouth.org slash The Sober Life. So those are the two best places. Of course, you can always email me and I'm happy to to talk with you anytime or, you know, just email back and forth. But my email is t trisberg and that is R-I-S-B as in boy, E-R-G at allianceforyouth.org or give me a call myself, 406-590-7114.
0: Great. Thank you. And I will put links to all of that in the description. So uh, if you're listening, and you didn't get a chance to jot that down, check out the description and that'll make it easier for you to find all of that. Um, thank you, Thomas. This has been a great conversation. I'm really excited to see the sober life grow throughout the state and, you know, get more involvement.
1: Thank you so much, Andy, and thank you to the whole crew at, at MPN. You guys are amazing, and we're very appreciative. Thank you. Recovery works, and recovery is possible. Oh. Recovery works, and recovery is
0: possible. Recovery works. Recovery is possible. Hvadka- and recovery, is possible. Recovery, recovery, recovery is possible. Recovery works, and recovery is possible. Recovery works, and recovery is possible. Recovery works, and recovery is possible. Recovery is possible.